0: As we approach the new year, I I felt like uh, the Lord prompted me that all of us are to be challenged to run the race as ones that would obtain a prize. So uh, we're going to call it running for the prize today, that we would run for the prize that God has set before each and every one of us. He has given us a high call, and and we don't compete against one another, but rather uh, we encourage one another we spur one another on so that if anything we're encouraged by our brothers and sisters in Christ to run for the prize see if we were to see one another as as competition then I I would want to beat you correct I I wouldn't want you to win matter of fact I'd probably rejoice in the fact that you fell into sin uh, because then I get the prize correct but thank God that's not the way that works in the kingdom the way it works in the kingdom is if you have a, a competition Uh, or if you have a competitor, if you have someone you're running against, it's yourself. You're running against yourself. See, uh, our battle's not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So, if you have someone that's trying to keep you from winning or get you to be disqualified, that would be the devil. But the battle, if you will, the run, the race, the competition that is going on, is that spirit man in you running against the flesh man in you. And that carnal man in you, he wants to win the race of pursuing the things of this world, while the spiritual man in you wants to run the race to seize the prize, to lay hold of that which Christ has laid hold of you for. So if you want to turn to um, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, we'll read first. And then we'll read... um, Philippians 3:12 through 14 if you want to find that also. And this is the premise if you will for running for the prize. Paul challenges all believers to do this. 1 Corinthians 9:24 through 27 says, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Now, Philippians 3:12 through 14, Paul kind of grabs a hold of this same thought. And gives some greater light to it, I think. He says, "I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I keep working toward the day when I will finally be all that Christ Jesus saved me for and wants me to be." No, dear brothers and sisters, I uh, <coughs> sorry <coughs> fighting this cough. I am still not all I should be. But I am focusing all my energies on this one thing. Say this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race. And receive the prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us up to heaven. Now King James talks about the upward call. Living your life if you will for a heavenly call. Living your life for that divine purpose. For which Jesus laid hold of you. See your faith was not produced by yourself. It was actually the spirit of God that drew you to himself. You know he saw you and saw something in you. That he could take hold of and begin to draw you to himself. That you would actually pay attention to God. Rather than to be consumed with yourself and the things of this world. There was something in you that God saw. A spark of hope and purpose that can only be found through his son Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, when God laid hold of you, when God inspired you to give your life to him, to place faith in Jesus Christ, upon hearing the gospel, that something happened on the inside of you that said, I believe he gave his life so that I could have life. And in that moment when you were born again, God laid hold of you through Jesus Christ for the upward call, for a high purpose, for kingdom work, amen? I apologize. I'll cough probably a little bit here and there through this. So, you know, uh, thinking on this past year, having a daughter that's now engaged, it makes you really think. I look at my other kids, and I, and I think about Vanessa's a couple years away from graduating. Wade's Wade's uh, three years from graduating. You know, they're probably going off to college. Angie and I are probably about three years away from being empty nesters. I'm thinking, wow, that just came too quick. How in the world did that come so quick? You know, one day at a time, one week at a time, one month at a time, one year at a time, on and on. But the reality is, is it went so quick. How many of you have children that are are grown up and and out of the house now? How many would say that when it began, it seemed kind of slow, but once it got going, it went way too fast? Say amen if you, you agree with that. It just goes so fast. Now look at 2012. I honestly look back on 2012. And for me, it's just like I blinked and it's gone. Anybody else feel that way? See, young people are like, man, I just can't wait. You know, (laughs) yeah, well, you know, when you get there, then you'll say, man, if I could only go back. If I only knew then what I know now. This is what, you know, all those things that we look back that we would change and we would do differently. That's why we come to to january almost every year and and it's a very popular thing for everybody to have new year's resolutions some people say well i don't get into all of that well at some point in your life you're thinking i want to make a change and i'd like to do this and i'd like to do this better on and on and on Now, if you remember a few years ago i preached a message and it was called five your fave five what was in your circle it was where god started convict me i was 265 pounds Yes, no one ever believed that, but I was 200, Angie, was I 265 pounds? I would stand in the mirror and say, you fat slob. And I walked out depressed. But it it came to that point to where I realized, you know what, my health is very important. It's very important for me to keep the temple of the Holy Spirit in a place where there's energy, And an ability to function for a kingdom purpose, for that which Christ laid his hands on me. He chose me for a purpose. And if I continue to go this way and not take care of myself, I won't be able to complete it. That was the conviction that set down on me. Standing in the mirror and condemning myself never brought me or motivated me to change. It was the moment that God said, you will not finish what I've called you to do if you don't take care of yourself. Bang, I'm in the gym. I'm going to work out and get myself in shape. Why? Because God has a purpose for me. Oh, plant more churches, raise more leaders, start a school of ministry, on and on and on. And I think to myself, man, I don't have the energy for that. A guy by the name of Wayne Cordero. Who's ever heard of Wayne Cordero? Pastors, one of the largest churches in our nation. It's in Hawaii, actually. I feel like I need to go there for training for some reason. <laughs> right now, because get out of this cold weather now. But here's the deal. God told him to start another service. His service had grown. God said, start another service. He said, God, I don't have the energy. He goes, go to the gym. Now, after I started getting in shape, this is where I encountered that message. And I heard him say that. And deja vu for me was that God was saying the same thing to me. And what it's for is God wants to to get this straight so that I'm able to run the race. Now, I'm not just talking about physical here. Understand, we're about to shift to the spiritual side of things. Your devotional life, Derek, is the most important thing to me. In my faith five, I begin with God. I start with Him in the mornings. Me and God, in His Word and in prayer. And then I go to the gym most times. Sometimes I end up having to do an appointment, but I make it to the gym one way or another so that I take care of this physical body so that the spiritual things that are being deposited are housed in a temple that's going to remain and have the energy to share and do what God has called me to do. Somebody say amen. amen. And so, so in that, um, the, all this going along, I start to look at my life. Now my daughter getting engaged, and I'm thinking, man, life is flying by so quickly. And that, that end is coming so much faster than I ever would have dreamed. I'm 42, I'll be 43 years old this year. And I think to myself, they say that's kind of the, the half run, right? Right? 40, like top of the hill, and then you start to go down. But here's here's my thing. I'm in better shape now than I was there. Spiritually, I'm in better shape now than I was back here. Why? Because I make it a priority to do those things. I discipline myself, just as Paul the Apostle was talking about here. So my challenge to all of us is to to see that go to greater levels, not not lower levels. It's like, oh, I've done pretty good this past year, so I'll lighten up. No, I want to continue... To discipline myself to continue to pursue Christ all the more. Why? So that more people can come to Christ. So that more churches can be planted. So that more leaders in the body of Christ can be raised up. I don't think one person sitting in this room woke up this morning and thought, I really want to be a loser in life. Did anybody wake up this morning and go, man, I'd really like to be a loser? Anybody, who's rooting for football? Who's got a team they're rooting for? Raise your hand if you're you're rooting for, okay, there's a bunch of folks in here. Some of you don't care because your team's already out. But I promise the Super Bowl comes, there'll be somebody you're in there like, I want them to win because I don't like them over there, right? Whatever it is. How many of you like a loser? Anybody? I'm like, yeah. I root for the Bengals, so, you know, I must like losers. (laughs) Now, they're in the playoffs right now, so, you know, (laughs) I'm hoping for the best. But the reality is, is, you know... It just depends. They went to the Super Bowl. How many of you remember the 49ers beat them? I hate the 49ers. Sorry if you like them, but I hate them. <laughs> but I'll tell you right now, people root for the 49ers. Why? Because they're winners. The Bengals don't pick up any residual fans. You understand what I'm saying? It's not like, you know, on the outskirts, somebody who lives in Colorado is like, Broncos, Bengals. I think I'll root for the Bengals. It doesn't happen. Why? Because they're losers. They've never won a Super Bowl. What's my point? We don't get excited about losers. Look at our society. Hey, you know, Jeremiah got a pair of shoes for Christmas, I think, from our family. and that, Our whole family bought those, right? Or you bought those. Danielle, you really shelled out the money. Dang, we wasn't in that good. I'm glad to hear that. My bank account's better. And they were called Air Jordans. How long has he been out of basketball? Someone, long time now, right? They weren't. Everybody's talking now about you know uh, what King James? Who is it? Um, LeBron James. That's right, LeBron James. He's he's as good as Michael Jordan was. Well, look until LeBron James has a shoe that makes it a decade after he's out of basketball, I, I don't think we can say he's the best. You understand? Air Jordans are still <laughs> the top selling shoe out there. This guy's name was a stat. We all loved him because he's a winner. He won and won and won and won and won, right? Now, LeBron's coming on, and everybody's like, LeBron, you know, King James, they call him, right? I say, let that name become popular again, and we'll ride that bad boy. You understand what I'm saying? I hope he becomes as popular as, as Michael Jordan was because get the name King James out there. I'm like, yeah, you need to read the King James. You know what I'm saying? point being is is we tend to gravitate to winners jesus was a winner (laughs) jesus was a winner but none of those people attain that status none of those people attain that place of winning without discipline they don't get there easy it it costs something it takes something on their part so running requires a lot of effort in many areas winning requires things like excellence energy emptying just getting it all out, emptying it all out. Every bit of it. Don't leave anything. Uh, who was the coach? Uh, Raleigh Stoneman will be able to tell me who this was. Who's the coach that said, leave it all on the field? No? Vince Lombardi, that's right. Vince Lombardi said, leave it all on the field. Empty yourself. And then a Expectancy. Knowing this, Paul likened living for Christ to running a race. Paul describes to his readers how to win the race of the Christian life. If Paul were graded for running his race, he certainly received an A. Why? Because we still talk about Paul. I mean, he is so much further beyond where Air Jordans are, it's not even funny. You understand? We're not talking decades, we're talking centuries. Jesus won such a victory that 2,000 plus years later we're still talking about the day he won. So if we want to win, I think it would behoove us to follow their example. Amen? His life is for us to follow. Paul the Apostle said this, follow me as I follow. See, one winner was talking about how he won. Look, I won the race. I've been able to attain where I'm at because I followed the winner. The winner. The pattern, if you will. Y'all remember me talking about that being a kid and cutting trusses? And, I, and I, I, they give me a pattern, and I cut the tr- first truss after the pattern. He told me cut every single truss, 30-something trusses. So the way this building is, it's on these, these beams here, but wooden trusses, you know, you'd have them every 12 feet. And he says, cut every one of those trusses. You've got to cut that overhang after the pattern. So he cuts the pattern out. It's P-A-T, right? Pattern cut them all after that don't you deviate from that man just, i'm sitting there working flip the first truck man one little guy I, look i was 15 years old you know what i'm saying and i'm wrestling this huge truss and flip it off finally i'm like gosh that's hard did the second one I, you know and I, when i say yeah it probably took me five to seven minutes at least to just get the one truss flipped off and i gotta go through 30 of them suckers So I'm like, well, when I cut this out, it's cut that way, so it'll work. This is one of my favorite stories to share because it's where we all tend to mess up. We don't stay focused on the pattern. Jesus is the one we follow so that we can gain the victory that he secured for us. Come on, somebody. And so so what do I do? I'm like, man, I'll just trace this where I cut it out, line it all back up, trace it out. So I kept doing it, and then I would flip it off. Because actually I had to flip it off, right? Draw the one on. And <coughs> It was just so much work. So you know what I do? I do that and we start swinging the trusses and then the next day the building's completely out of square. We get more than halfway down and they're like, this building is not coming together right. Something, something's not right. It's out of square. It's not, it's not true. And He yells down, Derek, did you cut them all after the pattern? I'm like, uh, no. He comes down off the building and goes, we got to take them all down and redo every one of them. See, if we'll pattern ourselves, Paul followed Christ. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. So what is he saying? He's saying, paying attention to the pattern, and you'll be cut the right way. You'll be true. There'll be a a true manifestation of Christ in you as a believer. We think about grades. You know, Paul definitely received an A, we could say, because, you know, he wrote more than two-thirds of the New Testament. I think he did a great job. But for our lives, how do we tend to grade them? A, B, C, D f we can fall in that place but today i want to submit to you uh, to attain or to seize that prize to run that race in such a way to receive a prize i want to submit to you the e-grade today it definitely applies uh, because i think that if we will endure the race if we'll run the race and we'll allow christ to work on us and we'll be in god's word to allow it to hone us and shape us and And shave off those things and cut away those things that God knows are not good for us in our pursuit of the prize. I think the E-grade for effort, if you will, comes into play. Hebrews 12, 1-3 says this. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith, or the author and finisher of our faith, according to King James. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, uh, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the places of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Christ gave up his life. In his race, he gave up his life to obtain that victory. Now, interesting enough, he imparts that to us by faith. When we place our faith in him, when we understand that he has begun that work and is performing a work in us like I talked about last week, when we understand that, what happens is we begin to yield over to his way. See, it's called a battle of the wills. We all have a will. I want to do things my way. And when I do things my way, oftentimes it leads me to a place I really should not be. But when I do things God's way, I'm never, ever going to end up anywhere where he didn't intend me to be. Can you say amen? When I follow him, he takes me exactly where I need to go. Look at Ephesians uh, 1, 17 through 23. See, we share in his victory. It says, Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he has called. His holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. God calls you in his inheritance. Now, one of the things about that is that that when we think about, I've, I've shared this before, is that the word study reveals this out. That you have money that you pay your bills, you pay your, your house payment, you pay your car payment, you pay for your food, you, you pay all that money out, and then you have maybe a little bit left over. You've got what you call your pocket change, your fun money. Say fun money. Fun money. You're God's fun money. When when that word studied out, it reveals that this isn't a uh, a, a requirement. It's not something God had to do. It's something God wanted to do for the joy. Jesus endured that cross for the joy set before him. And what is that joy, you and I? We're that joy. It's not like it was an obligation. It was rather a love that was expressed by giving his life. So, the grade E for effort can be seen here on our striving for excellence, uh, expending our energy, emptying ourselves of all those things, as Hebrews says, laying off those sins or those weights that beset us and keep us from running that race, and an expectancy as we live from His strength for our lives. I want to look at the text again real quick, or a deeper look at it, (laughs) with our hearts set on a race, the one that's before us, to live our lives for God all the more in the coming year. First, under excellence, how many of you have ever run? Actually, you know, you, you have to, you know, who's been in the military? You had to run, right? Almost every day. How many of you have ever run with a bad pair of shoes? What's that? Combat boots are a bad pair of shoes. How many of you ran in combat boots? I can attest that combat boots are a bad pair of running shoes. If you've ever run... You know the difference from running in a bad pair of shoes and a good pair of shoes. You know, running this race, honestly, we can run this race with our preparation, with our abilities, with all the things within our own strength, or we can have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, if you will. The good news is that if we yield over to Him is that we are in the midst of running this race and somehow are empowered by him. It's a better pair of running shoes. Trust me. Doing life God's way is a better pair of running shoes. Now, I bought a pair. The one thing is, is it's not cheap, is it, if you, if you get a good pair of running shoes. You know, um, it's kind of interesting how that works. I'm like, look, my feet hurt when I run. I'd really like to get a good pair of running shoes so they're fitting me, and I'm, like, I'm walking around in them. I'm like, wow, these are nice you know, anybody ever done that? Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, wow, man. I mean, I don't even feel like anything's on my feet. Da, da, da. You know, oh, man, that's awesome. I, I, how much are these? $200. Oh, I, do you have anything in the middle? <laughs> I don't want anything low end, but do you have something in the middle? Because I'm not paying $200 for a pair of running shoes. They bring something else to me, 87 bucks for a pair of running shoes. I'm still about to have a heart attack. You understand? But I run in those shoes, I can tell the difference from running in the others. Now, here's the thing. I can tell you that while we might go the middle of the road on those physical ones, we don't want to go the middle of the road where it comes to the spiritual shoes that we run in. We need to go all the way. We need to go all the way. There's no better way to run this race than to be in the Word of God each and every day of your life. Have a dedicated devotional life so that when you wake in the morning... What you do is you put on the right running shoes. When you head out to do life, you head out to do life prepared by God's word. And when you're prepared by God's word, it doesn't matter what somebody says to you or does to you. Why? Because you've been prepared. You've shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel. And it's good news no matter how much bad news somebody shares with you. It's like, oh, I'm sick, right? let me pray for you. Oh, man, you know, you're just, you know financially we're, we're just devastated right now. We're just never going to get out of this hole we've you know, dug and da-da-da-da-da. Well, let me pray for you. All of a sudden, you begin to look to heaven for the answers. You're not focused on the surroundings and the circumstances of life. Everybody faces them, but people deal with them differently. People with the right pair of running shoes are going to deal with them in a supernatural way. People with the wrong pair of running shoes are going to just look at it in a natural sense that the only way out of this is to die. Right? Isn't that the old saying? Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And most of society lives their life that way. They run their race with, I'm going to die one day, while as believers, we run our race understanding that one day we're really going to live. And until I'm living that way, I'm going to apply everything I can find in the Word of God to live as close to that as I possibly can in this life. Hmm. That's excellence. (coughs) Sorry about that. Listen to this, Matthew 25 and 30. And this is where it's important for us to understand as God's servants how we are to live our lives. Listen to this, it says... Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, God's not going to be impressed by anybody that said, I tried. Y'all hearing me on that one? Well, I tried it. Really? You tried it? You know, I think of all the times that Jesus said, ye have little faith. This one thing, if you will, the one thing you lack, one thing you still need, When we come to understand that as Paul the Apostle was talking about growing in the knowledge of the Lord, it is our growing in the knowledge of God's word. That's what growing in the knowledge of the Lord is, is growing in his word. And when we grow in the knowledge of the Lord, what happens is, is we're shodding our feet. We're putting on a different pair of running shoes. We're running this race just a little bit different. We're running it as to obtain a prize. Paul was sound and he was mature in Christ when you think about it, his approach. And everything he did had balance. And there's something that takes place when you live your life that way. See, Paul was spiritually fulfilled, knowing Christ as his Savior, and at the same time was divinely discontent. He was fulfilled in his relationship with Christ, but he was divinely discontent. See, what happened was that in his relationship with Christ, He felt all the fullness that one could feel. But in his perspective of others, in his perspective of this world, he saw a high prize. And what was that? To witness and to share with as many as possible to bring them along with him to obtain that same prize that he knew he was headed towards. And when we have that sense of purpose, what happens is, is we are pursuing excellence. See, it's not excellence that I've attained salvation for myself. It's excellence when I take that salvation that I have received from Christ and share it with another. Can you understand that? It's a different pair of running shoes. If I'm just happy and satisfied with my salvation, for me, myself, and I, just to be happy with that, and I never share it with anybody else, let me tell you what happens. The excitement of my salvation wanes. I start to lose the excellence of God's kingdom. Let me show you the excellence of God's kingdom. We read it over the Advent um, observance. Hmm. See, the excellence of God's kingdom was when it was penned by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that God is not willing that any should perish, but all come to everlasting life. God was pursuing excellence. Still is. And when he has a people that pursue the same excellence, guess what happens? All come to everlasting life. More people come to everlasting life. I talked to the youth last night and challenged them for the coming year. I challenged them to check their path. I preached this some some years ago. Came in and, and revamped it. But to check their path, P-A-T-H, path, that they're running on. And that is their passion, their attitude, their teamwork, that they're not going it alone, and their honor. Do they honor God with their life, and do they honor their parents, and do they honor authorities in their life? And what was their passion for? What is their attitude like? And that it needs to be a kingdom attitude. And I challenge us to the same thing. That if we really want to see God manifest in our lives and see the kingdom of God come the way the word of God defines it then it begins with our excellence it begins with our excellent pursuit of his kingdom it begins with our running for a prize and understanding there's a prize to attain if I said right now that, that up here on this stage somewhere today I've hidden a thousand dollars and the first one to the stage and finds it can have it there's a thousand dollars up here somewhere who wants that Now, see right now you're thinking man is he kidding right yes i am i did not hide a thousand dollars up here um i tend to stray away from from gimmicks if you will but the point is is if i said there's a thousand let me let me do it this way if i said there's a million dollars somewhere up on this stage somebody's thinking right now i'm just gonna go ahead and go up there just in case there is you know The whole point is, is if that really was, I guarantee you wouldn't just like sit back there and you'd be running to the stage as fast as you could. Is the kingdom of heaven not of greater excellence than earthly mammon? How hard do we go out in our jobs, five, six, sometimes seven days a week, to pursue unrighteous mammon? How hard do we chase after it? How hard do we work for it? And yet we... Push aside the heavenly call, the prize that the kingdom has for us. I I think one of the greatest stories in the Bible was the moment that tax time rolled around. It's coming. Y'all know that, right? Tax time rolled around on Jesus. And man, would I love to be able to do this. And you know what? I guess I could if I could just pursue the kingdom with a little more excellence. But the moment they walked up and said, hey, uh, you owe taxes, This is where Jesus has the talk, render under Caesar, that which is Caesar's, render under God, that which is God's. And what does he do? He sends Peter fishing. He says, look, go catch a fish and the first one you catch, just open its mouth and pull out the gold coins and and our taxes will be in the mouth of the fish. Peter's like, what? (laughs) Come on. I mean, you you gotta admit, I mean, you're Peter. And all you know is you've seen Jesus heal the sick, cast out demons. You're like, man, everything this guy does, it's like, you know, the kingdom of heaven, man, it's like excellence. Peter, go fishing and you'll get our taxes out of the mouth of the fish. What? I'm going to go just. Now, you know, Peter's reeling that thing up. Peter's never caught a fish like this before. He pulls that thing up there are you kidding me what i'm taking you home to eat you (laughs) my man goes and pays the taxes by catching a fish and pulling the coin here's the thing it is amazing to me how little we believe what the word says how undedicated we are in the christian church To what the word of God says. What God declares that he'll do on our behalf. (laughs) Does it say that all things are possible to him who believes? I'm not talking about a hyper weird faith. I'm talking about a legitimate faith that has with it an excellence of trusting that what God has said he will perform on our behalf. Can you say amen? The second E in our E grade is our energy. Runners need energy. I remember uh, you know, when we go on runs, we had a first sergeant. Until this first sergeant, I never did it. But we had a first sergeant that came in from Fort Bragg. And uh, <laughs> we would go on a two-mile run, right? That's what we do. Pretty much a two-, three-mile run. We're done for the day. But well, we go out on a run with this guy one time. This is like his second uh, week there, and we go out on our, quote-unquote, two-mile run for the day. And uh, we pass that two-mile marker, and we keep going, and we keep going, and we keep going. And he's got, what was weird is, is we had to dress in our BDUs, and, and we did have our tennis shoes on because, you know, feet injuries is something that the military doesn't want to pay for anymore, so they're like, you know what, forget running in the combat boots. you are going to make sure they're running okay, you know, most of the time. So we're running, and I thought it was weird that we had the radio with us. Like, I've never seen us take the radio on a run. So what happens is the first sergeant radios back, you know, meet us at, you know, checkpoint alpha, you know, with, you know, water. And that day we had our canteen strapped on. That should have also gave, given something away and wasn't quite sure what it was, but, you know, we got our water with us, so, okay, you know, they don't want us to dehydrate. We've had a couple people dehydrate on post, and and so the general's given an order that everybody's got to have their canteens when we go out and do PT because we don't need medical issues going on because people aren't drinking water. That's a big thing in the military. All you military folks know what I'm talking about, right? Right. And so, uh, so Sam, we keep running. We hit about mile four. I'm thinking, man, surely this is going to wrap up soon. Mile six... You know, you know you're beyond when you talk about second wind, you're beyond. Like second wind, I'm I'm looking for my fifth wind. What the world? And we keep running and keep running and keep running. And I am not even joking. We ran all day. We did a marathon that day. <laughs> <coughs> and I'll never forget the talk he had with us about excellence as a unit. That if we're going to be a unit that can deploy and do our job, then we got to be physically fit. That is where it brings us to. Anybody running a race has to expend energy. And boy, did we expend it that day. Do you know there wasn't a day I went out for a run without you know like you got protein bars or whatever you know. Man, I got one of them bad boys in my cargo pocket. You know I'm, I'm going to be running. You know why? Because you need energy if you're going to run. Correct. And, and you definitely, and man, I got up in the morning, I, I'm slamming an energy bar or drinking some kind of energy drink or, you know, protein or something because there's no telling what this nut might do. <laughs> you understand? And so, uh, and he did it a number of times. And I don't remember a time that we did under five miles. He said two miles is ridiculous. Five miles is what we'll be doing. You know, initially, everybody hated that guy. They absolutely did. hated his guts, man. I could join in right there with him. I was a Christian, though, so, you know, I'm like, I don't hate him. You know, I don't, I, don't, I don't like, you know, how he does PT, but I don't hate the guy, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm in my little gossip session, too, you know what I'm saying? Everybody was gossiping in the first couple months that guy was there. because Man, he's a nut. Certifiable. But he understood something about running for the prize. And, you know... I was probably one of the quickest NCOs to embrace the philosophy he had. By embracing that philosophy, I ended up with the number one squad in our brigade for two years. Angie and I got to go to Austria, uh, Kimsey, for week-long vacations at a five-star hotel because my squad won the competition every year. Like, yeah. (laughs) See, why? There was a prize at the end of the competition. There was a prize at the end of the run. But see, excellence had to be expressed. There had to be a place where excellence was embraced and energy was expended. Paul the Apostle, without question, expended his energy, energy didn't he? Imprisoned, beat. You remember him and Silas, right? They get beat and thrown into prison. And they're beat and thrown into prison. What did they do? They just decided they were going to expend a little bit more energy. Doing what? Worshiping. Why? Because they were committed to excellence of the kingdom. And as they begin to worship and praise God, what happened? The jail jail door swung open, right? The earth shook. Now, you know, the jailer comes running in. This is Wade's favorite story in the Bible. He preached a message when he was nine years old to me on this one. And it was, and the door swung open. And the jail keeper came in, and he goes to kill himself. That's the way Wade says it, which he was going to kill himself because it was death for him anyway for those prisoners to be lost and paul and silas say don't hurt yourself don't harm yourself we're still here they hadn't run out even though the doors were open they hadn't run out what they did was they saw an opportunity a moment to expend even greater energy to see the kingdom advance and they witnessed to the jailer and he and his whole household came to the lord isn't that right what's the situation in your life where god can use you that way? Where you're committed to excellence for the kingdom and you're willing to expend the energy necessary to see the kingdom manifest. Ephesians 4.14, this is how Paul was able to stay focused on (coughs) that place of emptying himself, if you will. Turn to that, that page, if you will. You ever see a runner... Uh, in a marathon, or you know, in the in the Olympics, or something like that, when they're running, they start out running right. They've they've got their their garb on and everything, you know. But as they're running, they actually you'll see them start to shed clothing. You ever see it? If you've never seen it, a runner will begin with a certain amount of clothing, but there's two key things to stay light and to stay cool. And as they run, they heat up, right? And they've got those extra layers on. I remember being in the military when we run you know it'd be dead of winter and we're going to go out on this run and and by the time you finish you got your you know you got your jacket tied around your waist in a knot so you don't lose it but you're getting it off up here because your core is generating so much heat and you're trying to cool down and so uh this is where paul the apostle if you will uh i i would say talked about emptying Talked about getting rid of those weights, those things that beset, those things that hinder us from running the race. You got to shed those things and get them off you so that you can continue to keep pace. You think about Paul the Apostle needing to forget those things which are behind. I don't think there's any greater weights that can weigh us down than the failures we've had in life. Moments that we've fallen short with God, moments that we've not followed through with commitments we've made to God or whatever it may be, or with others. And those things begin to weigh us down and keep us from pursuing God with that light-hearted place of forgiveness and grace. And it's so important for us that in the midst of this race that we don't let those things mount because it's amazing how we just kind of start to, you know, fade in our pace. And keeping pace is so key because when you start to fall behind, it impacts our faith when there's that place where you feel like you're not doing what you should be doing with God you're not pursuing him the way you should be it is amazing to me to watch how people just kind of start to give up anybody ever compete in a race raise your hand if you competed in a race before do you ever get behind do you feel like I'm not gonna win if I'm not gonna win then what's the use that's the way we are with life And oftentimes when we we think about our life that, you know, I'm not winning, I'm not ever going to win, this is never going to go well, we start to think on the evil report, we start to think on those things that aren't good, then what happens is is it's amazing how our pace falls off. We fall even farther behind and the reality is is that we start to think that we're going to lose. How you think is very, very important. That's exactly why Jesus said, that we are to take every thought captive that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What do we do? We seize that thought and replace it with the way God's word speaks over our life. We think on the good report. Somebody say amen. We need to think on the good report if we have any hope of winning the prize in this race. Are you there at Ephesians? <coughs> Ephesians 4, Ephesians um, Paul the Apostle speaks to, let me get there myself, and I'll be wrapping up here in a minute. As we go into the new year, this is the passage we'll begin with. <clears throat> and we'll be talking about the unity, being one, that we together are one, and that we're stronger together as one than we are as individuals. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> Let me just tell you what it says. Uh, Paul the Apostle said, I forget those things which are behind, and I press toward the mark of the high call of Jesus Christ in my life. When we forget those things which are behind, by the way, your successes can weigh you down as much as your failures do. You You can be consumed with the fact that you are succeeding as much as you are at failing. And think back on, I did, I did, I did, and lose sight of where you're going. The one thing about a runner, do you know when they're running? They don't really spend a lot of time like this. If you've ever watched a marathon, you've ever watched somebody run, they don't look back a lot. There might be that occasional moment when they're coming up to the finish line (laughs) where they're like, where's everybody else at? But they don't spend their time looking back. They keep their eyes focused on the path ahead. Why? Because... It only takes one obstacle to trip you up to cause you to lose the race. It only takes one moment that you become injured. And you know that's the biggest thing that I think that folks need to guard against is that it only takes one injury, one offense in your heart to get you locked in to where you don't move for years in your maturity in Christ. And if you ever get locked into that, what happens is is that you may never get out of it. I've seen people do it. I've seen them lose their marriages. I've seen them lose their businesses. I've seen them lose friends and family over one offense. And for what reason? They've given up so much over one simple thing that they stumbled at. And you know know why? It's because they're looking back. They're not looking forward and pressing toward that mark. That they'll obtain the prize in their life. They're more concerned with somebody else brings us to our final thing and that is is that if you're going to run the race the other e grade that you need is you need the e of expectancy you got to have an expectancy along with hope for the future we need faith you know january is the month where we celebrate martin luther king we, we have a day where we observe martin luther king <clears throat> jr and here's what he said he said faith is taking this uh, first step even when you don't see the whole staircase We cannot approach the future and accomplish anything without true faith in God, but we need true faith. Seldom does one win a race without believing they can. Seldom does a person win a race without believing they can. Any professional runner, you'll ask them, you know, they'll work on their physical body. They'll get themselves prepared physically and they come to that final place and they say, once I'm in the race, it's no longer the physical battle as much as it is the mental battle that if they start thinking that they're going to lose the tendency is for them to drop back but when they have a, a an expectation in their mind i am going to win this race the truth is is they continue to surge forward go back to that the initial scripture that we read with Paul the apostle and i want you to look at this <coughs> right here he says uh, in in three um, Philippians three twelve through fourteen, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I keep working toward the day when I will finally be all that Christ Jesus saved me for and wants me to be. No, dear brothers and sisters, I am still not all I should be, but I am focusing. Say focusing. focusing. All my energies on this one thing forgetting the past and look, looking forward to what lies ahead and here it comes right here and this is what a runner does i strain i strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which god through christ has called me i strain that key word right there the question is is that when we're in those places of where we feel like there's too much or the race is too hard or it's too difficult that's the moment where we strain where you put the energy in because you're committed to the excellence if you will you put the energies forth so that you can do what so that you can come to that place of where you understand that you know what those things don't matter as much as where I end where I finish is what matters more to God than anything God knew before, before the foundations of the earth, he knew your life, every detail of it. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And because of that, he knew your end from your beginning. He knew every moment that you would stumble in your race, he knew every moment that you might take a look back, and the whole time he's doing one thing, he's calling you forward. That's why Paul reminds us that he keeps his eyes set on the prize of the high call of Jesus Christ in his life. And when we keep that set before us, it doesn't matter all the other things going on in life. It doesn't matter the challenges. What matters is what God has called you to. And when your eyes are set on that, then like Paul the Apostle said, none of these things move me. None of them move you. None of them cause you to waver from seizing that prize and running with everything you've got for it. So you win the battle mentally. What? You take every thought captive. We have to push forward. And we have to continue to live this life for Christ, not because we have to. Because the greatest hope we have of obtaining the promise of the kind of abundant life that Jesus has given us is in how we run the race. It can't be obtained any other way. Wouldn't it be great if you could just like snap your fingers and everything in your life would just straighten up? Everything in your life right now. Everybody do this with me. Everything's good now. (laughs) It would be nice. And I know you, like myself, have moments where you think, boy, if I could just, and that would all be good. It's not going to happen. I like to call it, it's one foot in front of the other. I don't know where your life is ending 2012. I don't know what you might need to change. I don't know what you might be putting on your list of resolutions. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know what relationships, what you know, job situations, all of that stuff that everybody has to deal with and grapple with in this life. Because the Bible says that as long as we're in this life, we will have what? Tribulation. Somebody tell me what that word translates into for us. Troubles. As long as we're in this life, we will have troubles. But one thing I know, if you keep your eyes set on the prize of his call in your life to obtain that which Christ has laid hold of you for, then all of those things, like I told the youth last night, that all of these things, that if you love God and you're called according to his purpose, that he works all these things together for good. So here's what I'll ask you, just like I asked them. How many of you love God? Raise your hand if you love God. Pretty much everybody in the room. How many of you know that you're called according to His purpose? Raise your hand if you know that. Some of you are not sure. That's what you got to gain certainty on. But here's what I told them last night. If you know that God loves you, you love Him, and you know that you're called according to His purposes then there's nothing going on in your life that God won't work out together for good. Where's that going to happen? That on that path of your run, that this is going on right now and that's going on right now, but I'm keeping my eyes set on the prize and God will work all these things together for good somewhere in this, on my behalf. Because I love Him. And I call, I'm called according to His purpose. So in 2013, this is a big deal, because the elections, I saw so many people got all wrapped up in that. Now the elections are over. And now they would be wrapped up in, well, the president's not doing this, those people aren't doing that, these people aren't doing this. My question for us in 2013 is, what are we doing? What am I doing with my life? And how am I making a difference, a kingdom difference, for those around me, and how I'm living my life? Because I can't change the White House, but I can change me and my sphere of influence by allowing heaven to invade everything that I am and exude from it. Just as I said, that our cup would overflow, that it would be filled up because we're with him, and as it's filled up, it would overflow into the lives of those around us. That the way that I'm running my race would cause people to pay attention to me from this standpoint. Man, what is going on with him? It's like Michael Jordan ain't got nothing on this guy. You understand? Because I don't know how that happened. It's like I said to the youth last night. How many of them love when God's presence shows up in a tremendous way and you see signs and wonders and miracles that are taking place? And they're all like, yeah, because they've all seen it. And they're like, I love that. Yeah, Yeah, you love that. But it doesn't come cheap. It requires that we are a people committed to excellence, willing to expend our energy, i just drew a blank on my third one uh willing to be emptied and then what that we have an expectancy that god is going to show up in an amazing way when i'm willing to run my my race in such a way that honors his son for how he ran his race because there's no question that jesus ran his race the right way he provided salvation to all mankind with the way he ran his race Paul the Apostle gave his life. I leave you with this final thought. You're not competing against the person to your right or left. You're competing with yourself. You're competing with that, that desire in you that wants to go the way of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life versus the part of the born-again spirit inside of you that wants to honor God with your life. That'll always be where the competition is peter at one point said to jesus he began to compare himself to another disciple anybody know who that disciple was john he was the disciple the bible says that john was the disciple that jesus loved of course john pinned that about himself so you know i don't know about you but i think jesus loves me more than the rest of you i'm joking you understand what i'm saying right we all tend to well, jesus loves me you <laughs> Well, John pins about himself that he was the disciple that that Jesus loved. But Peter always saw the affection between John and and, and Jesus, no question about it. And he's walking along and Peter's walking with Jesus, and Jesus is challenging Peter to his race. Right? And what does Peter do? What about him? (laughs) And what does Jesus say? He goes, what is it to you? It's basically, you know, in a nutshell, there's a few other words he uses, but he just says that. What is it to you? And this is what we have to understand. What is it to us that God's doing in other people's lives? And here's the way I feel about it. What is it to you what God's doing? in I need to be faithful and committed to run the race that God's given me with everything I've got to honor him. And in doing such, guess what? I come to the place of wisdom. Who wants to be wise in this? Who wants to walk in the wisdom of the Lord? Well, here it is. They that compare themselves among themselves are not wise. Don't compel yourself to other people. You want to draw a comparison? Draw the comparison between you and God's word, between you and Christ. Let him be your pattern and live your life for him. And I promise you this. You will run in such a way to seize the prize. Why? Why? Because Jesus is going to inspire you far, far more than I ever will. Jesus is going to love you far, far better than I ever could. And Jesus is going to empower you with supernatural power. Something I cannot do. You all understand that? There might be impartation of things. But only Jesus can give you the power to run this Christian race the way He's called you to run this Christian race. Can you say amen? Stand your feet with me, if you would. Father, I love you, Lord. We love you so much. and God, I just pray that as we enter 2013, we enter it giving thought to how we're going to run our race. That God, each and every one of us would evaluate the level of excellence, Lord, that we show your kingdom. that each and every one of us, Father, would uh, evaluate the energies that we are expending for the kingdom. And that all of us, God, would evaluate those things that might be there in our life that have become weights that beset us. And we'd be willing to empty ourselves. We'd be willing to lay aside those weights. And God, where there be sin, repent of those sins so that they are not weighing us down in our race. And God... Above all things, I pray that there would be a higher level of faith in Gateway Church for miracles, signs, and wonders, for amazing things to come from the kingdom of God, because our expectancy, God, is growing. I pray for every one of us, God, that our expectancy of what you're going to do in our life, in our relationship with you, God, in our relationship with others, God, Uh, even the moments when we sit down with your word, where we feel like, man, I just don't understand the Bible. God, that when we sit down, we sit down with an expectancy. God, speak to me. God, speak to me and show me the way that you have for me. God, speak to me and empower me and strengthen me to run this race, to bring you honor and glory. Father, I pray as we do this, that God, it wouldn't just be one of those Uh, for the month of january this is my new year's resolution but god this would be an act of faith on our part to say we're going to set our course become clear about what you've called us to do and we're going to run for that god we're going to pursue it because jesus you didn't call us out of darkness into marvelous light to keep it all to ourselves. but lord you've called us out of darkness to your marvelous light that we would in turn go to those who have not received So, Father, I pray that as we set ourselves before heaven and receive from heaven, that, God, we do it with the intent that we're going to share heaven with others. Father, we live life with a sense of eternal purpose and not, Father, temporary gratification. Lord, I pray that more than anything because our society today is overrun, is overtaken, Father, By the moment. that God, we as your people would not be. God, we'd see it just as another tick mark, just as another uh, step, Father, in the process of understanding that we're called to a greater place. We're called to a higher place. And Father, it's an eternal place that our eyes must be set on or we lose our way. I pray that like the book of Revelation, Lord, That we would not be a people that are lukewarm, but we are hot, white, hot for you, God. Passionate and pursuing each and every day of our lives, Father, that it would begin with you. And Father, it would be uh, centered on you. Now, God, I pray for the members of Gateway Church, for their jobs and for their families, for their finances, God, for lord every relationship they have and god even for the the times of recreation that they'll have in the coming year i pray that 2013 would be a rich year god rich in every possible facet that heaven truly would invade earth that it invade god this space right here i invite you lord i can't speak for everybody on that but i challenge all of us god right now I invite you to come and make my heart your place of abode, Father, your place of dwelling in a greater measure than it's ever been. Got to pray for 2013 to be a year of fruitfulness. Got to pray that peace and hope and joy would fill the homes of all our members so that when they encounter those without that, and God, they sense it, and they're drawn to it, and they want it, and that, Father, we would witness it. We would witness to them, and we would share the story of how you work in our life, how you've saved our soul, and how good you are to us, so that they too, Father, could receive. They would receive salvation, The people in 2013, Father, that we encounter would receive healing. God, they would receive wealth and blessing. Lord, in the midst of, of challenges, Lord, that they would find that there's another way. And it's you, Jesus. That it's you, it's all you. You are the pattern. May we be cut after you in greater ways in 2013. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you all. And uh, see you next week. And um, next year, I should say. That's right. See you next year. God bless.